But the reality is you're you're like a, a an individual trying to stop a 30-ton truck coming at you at 100 miles an hour. It's going to flatten you. You don't have the physical ability to do that. So you're trying to react to a set of circumstances in such a way that you, something in your psyche believes that that reaction is going to suddenly change the government's announcement or the world that's happening to you. It's highly unlikely that that's going to be the case. So I know this is a long way of me saying, Harminder, that whatever's happening at the moment, and I'm, we're talking about COVID, but it could be any situation at all. Whatever's happening in that moment, you have to choose to take responsibility to how you respond or react to that. That's what today's podcast is about. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you are listening to The Cicado Show with Dr. Rowe and Harms. Cicado means to seek turning points. And on this show, where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today, the mission is to provide you with what you need in order to create a turning point in your life now. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to create these shows is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight which you can take away and apply directly into your life. Practical tools, voices that come from both generations, younger generation with tips and tools, older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience. So you can help unlock your true potential to give you the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level to give you a chance to impact both your life and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. We welcome you to The Cicado Show. Before we jump into the show, let me just tell you a little bit about becoming a Cicado supporter now. If you love what we do on the show, have gained transformational insights and positive outcomes or any small shifts which have allowed you to create turning points in your life, then please head to cicado.com and become a supporter of the show now. By supporting the show, we can continue to expand by getting you better quality production, spending more time deep diving important topics and creating more exclusive supporter perks as well as getting great guests on. And by the way, as a thank you for becoming a supporter, and depending on which supporter tier you select at cicado.com, these perks range from my weekly recipe for success emails through to audios and video courses from my 23 Steps to Success, which includes online modules on how to find your life balance, gaining confidence, improving your time management, making successful career transitions, understanding financial independence, creating a life purpose, understanding and how to manage your money, becoming a money master, understanding negotiation techniques, learning to communicate more effectively, and so much more. So don't delay. It takes less than two minutes and you can become a Cicado supporter, helping to expand the show and get special perks as a thank you. Become a supporter now at cicado.com. Let's get back to the show. Hello, it's Harms here and welcome to another episode of the Cicado Show. Now I'm going to start with an opening statement which may make you feel uncomfortable and that is everything 
good and bad that is happening to you right now is your fault. That statement I've just said there, you heard correctly. Everything good and bad that is happening to you right now is your fault. And that statement you would have read in the description, possibly the title of this episode today. And we are here today to uncover the truth behind this statement. Now, let me give you a current example. Depending on when you are listening to this episode, it's around Christmas time. Uh, Myself and my family have done our Christmas shop. Um, No doubt your family has, no doubt the millions of people in the as a UK public, European public, international public have done their Christmas prep. Secret Santa gifts have been purchased. And just yesterday, like I said, depending on when you're listening to this, the news broke that Christmas is cancelled nationally. Now, let me uh, share a bit about my personal situation you know, with a newborn baby, excited grandparents, excited brothers and sisters of myself and my beautiful wife, who we have not connected with, you know, f- in 2020, there was this anticipation, there was this excitement, there was this feeling that we were all going to spend time together as a family. Now, like I've said, Christmas has been cancelled and we no longer can can connect with those people that we love face-to-face in this family festive setting that we're all so used to. So, Ro, I wanted to use this example to set the scene for the listener in what we're talking about today. And I don't want to take that away from yourself when you explain it, because no doubt with the experience that you've had dealing with what we're about to talk to the audience about today on a personal level, but also when you speak to larger audiences, I know from being a witness to this personally, it plays out on such a deep, unconscious, powerful level. So Ro, now that scene is set and I've sort of given the listeners an example, over to you to describe you know, what we mean today when we're talking about everything right now is your fault. Like, what does that statement mean to you? Uh, and why did we want to bring this to the listeners at this time in the year? Put my example aside, at this point in the year, why is this so important? Thanks, Harms. And welcome again, everybody, to The Cicado Show. Always grateful that you're joining us. And particularly on this occasion, this is one of those podcasts which I think is going to go in lots of different directions. I suspect, Harms, there'll be questions that come out from the dialogue and we'll be challenging each other. But equally, I want us to be able to challenge our listeners. So if you're listening to this and you don't want to be challenged, now is the time to change to another podcast. But if you do (laughs) want to be challenged and you want to allow yourself to ask deeper questions, then it's worth having a listen. And this is really born out of my own experience, both from being somebody that's on occasions gone into this mode, but also more importantly, from the thousands of people I've been privileged to be in front of and share the uh, the whole experience of going through life's transformations, coaching, mentoring, speaking, et cetera. And it can show up in any situation. And that is the fact that most people do not take responsibility for their situation. Now, again, if I even say that, that's going to wind people up because I'm making quite a broad statement there, Harms. I'm saying most people don't take responsibility for their circumstances. So, for example, we're recording this right in the heart of another lockdown in the United Kingdom, as you said. There's a lot of anger, angst, frustration around the country at the moment, particularly, as you said, it's Christmas time. I think there was probably more of it during the summer because it was a shock. Now the reaction is slightly different. There seems to be a mixture of people. Some are like just going, oh, you know what, what can I do? Others are just thinking, okay, well, how long is this going to go on for? Others are 
saying, okay, that's fine. Let's just make the best of the situation. There's a multiple of different reactions here. The challenge, of course, is that there's a lot of blame going on. I guess you're probably hearing it as well out there in what you do and, and, and in, in the younger generation, also in the older generation, people are always looking for someone to blame when something happens to them. And we're referring to, to really what is classified as the victim mode here. Now, another term for that could be powerless, if you don't like the word victim, because victim is a very broad word. And, and actually, there are times when people are genuinely harmed, a victim of something that's happened to them. So we have to be mindful of that as we dance through this particular conversation here. But what I'm talking about is how you react to a situation. Am I making that clear? In other words, if something happens to our listeners and to us, to me, you, Harminder, to your families, something like COVID or a job loss, or you find out that your partner's been having an affair with somebody else, that is a set of circumstances that are in our lives that have been brought to the table. And as such, they are part of who we are now. They've, they've become part of our story. They've become part of the book that we're writing. They've become part of our history in the years to come. And we're in a rocking chair, looking back and talking to our grandkids. I remember that period. Those are the things that happened to us. But the conversation here is about how you react to those circumstances, how you take responsibility, how you respond and your ability to respond. And we'll come back to that. So your response ability, your ability to respond to a set of circumstances that have happened to you. How do you show up? What's your attitude? What's your mindset? What's your energy? What's your passion? What's your verbal reaction? What's your internal reaction? What's your emotional development in this situation? All of these things can completely change the experience because, and I want to create a definition for the start of this, nothing has meaning apart from the meaning that you give it. Now, I've stolen that from Tony Robbins. It's a quote that he had years and years ago, and it just stuck with me to like glue. Nothing has meaning apart from the meaning you give it. Now, great philosophers over the years have given that a different phrase, and he's probably taken that from someone else. And ultimately, we all, you know, nothing is new in this world, even this con conversation we're having. It's not like, Harms and Rowe suddenly invented the idea of responsibility. It's just that we may have a different way of articulating it. And hopefully if we press the right buttons, great. And if we don't get pissed off with us, go listen to somebody else. But the truth is, if you go and listen to somebody else and they say the same thing, you get pissed off with them as well. Maybe you need to take responsibility for how you react <laughs> to this message. And on that point, I'll stop for a minute. Great. So what I wanted to clarify, Rowe, and you may be having to repeat yourself here because I really want to nail this down to the listeners there's two questions on my mind one is you know you mentioned the word victim and it may be worth clarifying what we mean in the context of what we're speaking about when we use the phrase victim because it's been like you said it's a, such a broad term it's been it used in, in many different scenarios and people are genuinely a victim to a situation that was completely out of their control and it's not that's not what we're talking about this episode it's not the purpose of what we're talking about this episode but I love that phrase that you used around personal power now what's the difference between those two phrases there for somebody to understand okay so by definition if you open up a dictionary victim is a noun a per I'm reading this up for you actually a personal a person harmed, injured, or killed as a result of a crime, accident, or other event or action. So you could be, for example, a victim of domestic violence. And those are situations where somebody or, or somebody is shot or attacked. They are, they are a victim of an attack on them. What I want to do today is separate the two and say that 
there is a victim mindset, meaning that someone that goes through life and things always seem to happen to them. And that's the story they bring to the table. They tell you how, oh, my husband left me or my wife left me or my boss was a bit of a bully or my friends seemed to just be rude to me. And they had a party the night they'd invite me to that. Or my family never seemed to connect with me. You know, I, I just, why does this always happen to me? That kind of conversation is somebody that is articulating from the point of view of, they are a victim of circumstances and it becomes almost a theme to the story of their life. And we'll come back to this a little bit later on. As opposed to individual situations where somebody may genuinely be a physical victim to an assault or a situation that's happened to them. Yes, in that situation, they, have, they are a victim of that. However, we could almost separate this in two and say, okay, they were the circumstances or those, th those were a set of circumstances that happened to that person. What happened next? Dot, dot, dot. Did that person who was being bullied by their boss, did they come home, sit in front of the TV, open up a big pot of ice cream, start eating on that, then start eating a bunch of fries and sit there and just mope around and get pissed off, go back into work the next day and continue to do the same thing. So in such a way, showing up as the same person each day and allowing an environmental situation to occur whereby the, the boss continues to do the same thing and bullies or victimizes whatever language you want to use here. And I'm using sensitive language here, but that individual, or did that person come back and make a decision to change the way they reacted the next day? Did they, did they decide to go in and say, enough is enough. I draw the line. I'm not going to allow myself to be victimized by this individual. So I am, I have an ability here to respond differently. My responsibility is to own this situation and say, what can I do next to avoid this happening again, to stop this happening again, to change the circumstances, to take back control, to be empowered so that he doesn't do it just to me, but to other people as well. Now I've spoken quite quickly there and I'm not sure if I painted the picture clearly enough. Just back me up that, if I'm going too fast. You know, that paints a picture though. And to add to that, so what we're saying is, it, and, and we, we describe some extreme examples there, it is very much the process of the dot, 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 what happens next. And that what, what happens next is how do you respond? How do you react? So if you take my simple example from how we, when I framed the episode today is Christmas is cancelled and that was cancelled by somebody, you know, in power, in the government. And for myself and my wife, when we were sitting there and we heard the news, we had a dot, 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 what happens next? As an example, for those on top of the news, you would have seen millions yesterday heard the news at approximately, in the context of when you listen to this podcast, the news was announced about 4 p.m. And the law or the legislation would then come in at midnight for these rules to come to place. So there was millions of people who had who had a dot, 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 what do I do next exactly. situation going on. And as an example, I woke up to the paper this morning, Row, I say paper, the digital paper, <laughs> this is a phrase that we're uh, so used to, is millions had flocked to the roads and the trains to the point where trains were packed as sardines to escape the, the city of London. Uh, in order to beat this midnight countdown. Right, right, right. Now, that was a way in which somebody decided or a group of people, a collective decided, that's how we want to respond yes. next. So that's the situation we're talking about. How do you react? What is what? How do you act next based on a situation or circumstance that's occurred? And we're not talking about the judgment of the circumstance. What we want to do is talk about 
what do you do next? That's the outcome we want Actually, to get for you. Actually, you've raised a great point here. There is no judgment in this conversation. I think this is what we've got to come to the table with as a collective. Those of you listening, but us coming to the table here, sharing the story, the message is that there's no judgment. You, the only person that would make a judgment on you would be yourself, but then you have to take responsibility for how you want to frame up that judgment. So the, you may you may keep hearing that again and again in this episode. By the way, yeah, the, that's that that loop that you just just described there. It is 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 a scenario, and we're going to keep saying it. I think <laughs> to make sure it's hammered home. But isn't it uh, powerful, Holmes? Because because ultimately, the minute we say, "Let me just take responsibility," even for how I'm reacting to what he's saying or she's saying, that's a pause. It is a pause button moment. It's a dot 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 moment each time. In fact, I like that phrase. We have to use it more and more. The dot 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 moment. Because it leads to what happens next. And I wanted to throw a counter, another counter question in there, because we've described the difference between victim in the context of what we're speaking about today. Another thing that may be coming up on the listeners' minds, and I've heard this from people when we've talked talked about this subject at live events, uh, talked about the subject on one-to-one coaching sessions, etc. But one of the questions that may come up is, yeah, but Ro, how can I take responsibility for something that I've not done? You know, take the government's latest move on closing the country for Christmas. Take the fact that my boss sort of picks on me. What, what, what are you expecting of me? You want me to take responsibility for something I've not done. Right. Uh, can you just clear that up? Because uh, that's for, for somebody in this loop, the loop of, and we'll talk about the signs in a moment, I guess, but in the loop of not taking responsibility as such, they may be, that question may be constantly at the top of their mind. Yeah, but that's not my fault. Yeah, but I wasn't right. responsible for that. So, Why so, should I be? So the yet? blame culture is a term that really came to the forefront in the 80s, certainly in my lifetime anyway. I mean, it's probably been around for eons, but I remember there's a big discussion point around this. And it was, it was a culture that evolved in, particularly in the work environment where there was the whole pushing, the, the, you know, the yuppies, everyone was driving hard to climb their career and prove to somebody else that they were better than somebody else in the career. And there was a lot of one-upmanship. So that led to this, some people trying to prove themselves better than others. Well, a lot actually, especially in the corporate world, which then led to people that weren't doing so well blaming somebody else. So there's this whole blame culture evolved in the, in the, in the work environment. But I, I want to sort of take it further and say, I think as a society, we've gone into a stage where we're now, it's like an almost a default position. We just want to turn and say, that's not my fault. That's somebody else's fault. That happened to me, but that's because of so-and-so. And that's really what you're referring to is an announcement like this. The first reaction is to push back against it. And we'll come back to that conversation later as well. The pushing back against things. Somebody blames the government for the situation. Oh, bloody hell. What the heck's going on now? Why have they come up with this? Now, it is a language we can all use. And I've used it myself. Uh, and it's a, it can sometimes be a knee-jerk type reaction. So the dot, dot, dot can have several very, several stages of reaction. And the first one is bolting to the door, grabbing a bag, grabbing your money and a ticket and trying to get out of London. That that actually is a classic, as you say, dot, dot, dot. And it's probably a knee-jerk dot, 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 because nobody's actually thought what happens after that. But they're getting out. I mean, it gives them some freedom. It gives them a chance to get out. So the situation here is that what, what I'm saying in this conversation is you may not have any control over that decision. You can sit at home and get angry, frustrated, pissed off, shout at the screen, get angry with your kids, call your family, moan about it, blog about it, bitch about it. But the reality is you're, tr- you're like a, a, an individual trying to stop 
a 30-ton truck coming at you at 100 miles an hour. It's going to flatten you. You don't have the physical ability to do that. So you're trying to react to a set of circumstances in such a way that something in your psyche believes that that reaction is going to suddenly change the government's announcement or the world that's happening to you. It's highly unlikely that that's going to be the case. So I know this is a long way of me saying, Harminder, that whatever's happening at the moment, and we're talking about COVID, but it could be any situation at all, whatever's happening in that moment you have to choose to take responsibility to how you respond or react to that. That's what today's podcast is about. Now, there is another concept, which is take responsibility for everything that's happened to you. And we could go down that rabbit hole, but I just think that's a long conversation for what we're trying to do at the moment. And I think the first step, if a listener's approaching this for the first time or they're wrestling with this, because you did mention, you know, at time to time, well, this will happen to you. It's a knee jerk reaction. This happens to me with lots of various things. And then it was a case of pressing pause, but we'll talk about that later. I think taking responsibility for everything that happens to you, that is the stage two. So I think that'd be fantastic to talk about uh, at some point early next year when our listeners have established this new characteristic and this new habit, which is taking responsibility for how you react. Once they nail that, we can then go into taking responsibility for everything. But before we move on to staying on the subject for this, what do you mean when you say take responsibility for everything? For those who are already listening and think, thinking, I want a piece of that. I want, I want to live my life based on that principle. What do you mean by that? Are you referring to in the context of today's podcast or the one that we might do after this? The the one that we might do, just to give them a a taste. And then I want to loop back and then focus in on the signs, the signs of, you know, how how people react in a way where they've just given away their responsibility. Okay. So this is a snippet of a future podcast. Everything that's ever happened to you is your fault. Everything that's ever happened to you is your fault. So every decision that you've made has led to an action. That action then took you down a path, which then gave you the ability to put yourself in a set of circumstances. When those circumstances changed and resulted in you losing money or finding out that somebody had been cheating on you or finding out that your health had suddenly deteriorated, that's because those circumstances you put yourself into led to another set of circumstances. Everything has a chain reaction beyond you, which then has a chain reaction beyond you which then pushes back and trickles its way back to your circumstances. What you earn today is your responsibility. Every penny that's not in your bank account is your responsibility. Now, that is a conversation that could create a lot of kickback, but that's that's the subject I, I think is a powerful one. And that is a powerful one. That is like entering the matrix uh, <laughs> when it comes to recalibrating and, and just re-examining your life up to this moment in time so let's press pause on that that's a almost a teaser you a a teaser taster, man you're teasing uh, <laughs> for a few for a future episode because let's take the first let's take a step back and then before we take that next step in the future which is how do we react now in order to help somebody understand how do they react i think it was is a good place to start with how does this show up in somebody's life? What are the signs that somebody is not taking responsibility? And I, and I guess, Ro, we can just sort of jump in with some ideas that we've observed. I think I think it's worth us whilst we're doing that is just to remind everybody to look at this word responsibility, because I think that's the, the hinge of today's podcast. Response, ability, response, ability. 
Responsibility. Response. Ability. Responsibility. I mean, just take the word and say it in different ways. One is how we are responding to something, or it's just response, as in quick or slow. The other one is ability. Now, ability has so many different meanings, but in this context, just take it for a moment and think about your ability to respond. What what tools do you have? What resources do you have emotionally, physically, intellectually, uh, spiritually? So if you just looked at that for a minute and thought about that and you combine those two together, what we've got is a very powerful situation. We've got someone that allows themselves to grow internally. And I'm going in the direction that you don't want to because you've asked a different question. But I just want everybody to reflect on this as we're going into this is it's such a simple word. And if you just think of it from that perspective, that's what the dot, dot, dot is. What happens next? What is your response? Okay, but what is your what's your ability in that moment of response? If you're an uneducated, and I mean emotionally uneducated person, if you're somebody that doesn't have any sense of natural wisdom or growth, emotional development, who you kind of basically grew up and lived in a cave and ignore everybody else's opinion of the world and feel that the world owes you something and you kick back at it, you're going to have a very brutal, different reaction to somebody that has a completely different emotionally de- developed response to the world. So I just want to kind of put that out there, Harms, in, or, in order to get into the next question, which were the signs. But am I making any sense? Because it might sound a bit like high level, highfalutin and what the hell is he talking about type stuff. I think it was worth establishing uh, that word and, and breaking apart because by the very fact that the listener is listening to this episode and the very fact that we're discussing it as well enhances our ability to respond because what you're going to leave today's show with is some tools, is some wisdom, is some insights. And, you know, when me and Rose talk, you know, we're also sharing this with each other as well. So I think it's great. And if you're wondering, okay, but how do I then gain this ability to respond as Rose breaking this word down into two pieces for us? just by the very fact that you're listening to today's episode will start to move you forward in understanding how. And you may be listening to this thinking, ah, I'm already doing that. And I am I am responding with ability and I'm responding appropriately, but I just didn't realize I was doing that. I just thought this was happening automatically. Whereas the other person may be listening to this and thinking, the signs that Rowan Harms are just about to describe to us, that is me. And I want to change that. I don't like feeling that way. I don't like to respond that way. And I would love to have the ability to respond differently. So thank you for laying that out for us, Ro. When it comes to the signs, it would be great to just to break this up into two areas. One of the obvious ones where somebody who's honest, open with themselves should be sitting there thinking, ah, that's me. And, you know, I would hold my hands up to uh, some of the obvious ones and say, actually, sometimes I do respond to that. And my wife would no doubt say, yes, you do respond to that. And also some subtle ones, the ones that may not be obvious to other people, because some are obvious to other people, some are not obvious to other people, mm. and only you will be aware of that. So, well, I'll, I'll tell uh, you what, let me, let me share them. And then I'm going to ask you the question at the end of this, uh, which ones of the you, these have you actually personally experienced yourself harms? And I'll, I'll just share some of my own as we go through it, because I think it's important to know that every single one of us will have these. It's not, we are human beings. Part of the experience of being alive is that these emotions are there to help us grow, to also help us become sensitive to certain situations, become aware of other situations. So it's not being devoid of these but I think the very fact that you have awareness of them allows you to take responsibility to how you then react to those feelings. 
So if I, I'll just throw some out then, and, I, and then you know you just jump in maybe towards the end and tell me if there's any that you personally are aware of, and, and has that changed over the years for you? Uh, I mean, as an older person, I've had I've had a shitload of these. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll read them out and I'll come back and share a few that happened to me, and, and, and occasionally it rears up, but I'm aware of it, so I'll even allow it to vent itself, knowing that I'm like corralling a horse. So blaming others is, is, so let me just go through the list, right? If you find yourself blaming others, that's a classic case of, hold on a minute, this situation's happened, but I don't want to take responsibility for it. So who the heck can I give the blame on this one? Oh, it's you. It's my husband. It's my wife. It's my kids. It's my boss. It's my business partner. Uh, blaming situations is another one. Oh, be, and I've had this one. I was because of COVID. So here's one that happened to me. Our house has been renovated this year, as you know, because um, <laughs> you've been involved with it. And the result of the situation with the COVID delays on things like plaster, labor, certain tool, uh, not so much tools, but uh, supplies has meant that the, the we probably lost about three or four months of time on certain parts of the house. And one of the situations we had was, as you know yourself, because you're involved in it, we had, hun- I mean, it was hundreds, wasn't it? Hundreds of wooden floorboards delivered to the house over the summer. But those floorboards went through a curing process. They had to be dried out during COVID. And I got frustrated. And the story I told a few times over the summer, and you know this because you were there and you witnessed it, was that some of our floorboards, which we paid a lot of money for, became deformed, bent, twisted, misshaped. And were, and the result of that was it took our builders. Here's a classic example of a story I'm telling you. Now, how I take this story can be me being pissed off as a victim and getting really angry or me telling you what we objectively had to do. And initially there was a reaction. So there was the knee-jerk reaction, but then how do we deal with it quickly? So, and this is a classic example, and it might not seem like a big thing, but it is when you're in it, living with your kids, there's a lot of money gone into it. We had a situation where instead of it taking maybe two to three weeks to lay the floors down, it's probably taken, and you you witnessed this, Harminda, probably three months in total. And the reason for that is because they were just so difficult to place down. Now, at the time, I was annoyed, frustrated. Uh, I was pissed off. And these are all emotions I just want you to be aware of, you look for, uh, pissed off because, uh, partly because of COVID, but partly because of the way the wood had been dealt with. It's a, it's a simple situation to describe, but all of these things were emotions inside me, but I had to quickly switch that to a practical solution. And I said, okay, well, look, we're in this situation. How do we get out of it? What do we need to do? And we'll come back to that a little bit later on. So that was a classic example of me blaming a situation, complaining. If somebody has, and we're talking about consistency here, Harminder. So if if I saw Harms out and I heard him complaining about something, that's one thing. But if I consistently met you and you're always complaining about the same shit, I'd get annoyed as well. And that's the other thing that it has a knock-on effect on the people around you. That's different. That's somebody operating in the in the victim mode continuously. And it's it's always, it's never about them taking ownership, never them taking responsibility. So, so as an example there, though, what we're talking about here is blaming others, blaming the situation and complaining. And there's going to be a scenario and you have to either observe it in yourself or another person where, well, you've just mentioned a story there. So let's say, for example, uh, we're doing this podcast and we're on episode number 45. Yeah. Episode number 46 comes around and Ro says the same story to us, the listeners. Um, and he won't mind me putting him in this position because yeah. uh, he, he understands the concept of this. Then episode 47 comes around and Ro's still complaining about the wood. 
episode number 48 comes around, Ro is still complaining. <laughs> We're on episode 150 and Ro is still talking about this wood and all the listeners are like tuned out. Like Every time I listen to the podcast, Ro just keeps talking about the wood. <laughs> there will be somebody in your life who is doing that and it could be yourself in that scenario as well where the story, however big or small, or however insignificant or significant to you, when it, we link back to the meaning that you give it, which Ro mentioned powerfully at the start of this show and this episode, is if you keep saying the same story to every new person you meet, uh, that is the, one of the biggest signs to say that you are not acting in a responsible manner around this certain situation, etc. And funnily enough, during the summer... There's a few people that knew that we were working. You, you're one of them, but you're kind of almost in and out because you were helping. But there was others, friends and family. Like, How's it going with the floors? <laughs> and I just got to a point. Where I just kept, I kept saying, "We're getting there. We're getting there." Because anything, any other reaction from me would have been like, "I'm looking at it every day, thinking it's going to finally get to the end here." Yeah. But it could easily have been a long, whinging, upset. And that was frustrating at times, but it could have been articulated that way. So this constant- and what we're what we're also not saying, though, is you know it's okay to have a moan. It's okay to complain. Right. You know, one of the because that's a way of venting. Yeah. Exactly. You you mentioned it at the start, but just to clarify, you know, what we're not saying is you know you have to be happy uh, in an idealistic mindset all the time, and nothing can affect you. That's not what we're saying here. Mm. Uh, this it's about the consistent pattern which you described right so another word for pattern and I'm, i was just about to come in with a slightly different approach to this but i think i mean so you take from this depending on if you're left brain right brain emotion whatever what whatever you attach to this another so pattern could be one thing look for patterns another one is just do you find that these thoughts hijack your brain all the time do you find you being yourself being hijacked by the same conversation complaining blaming situations, blaming others, blaming um, your own situation, frustrated towards other people? Uh, does it hijack conversations with other people? When you're with somebody else and you happen to notice that in the middle of a conversation, that conversation gets hijacked by them talking about a set of circumstances they're really pissed off with or just talking about things that have happened to them. If that keeps that hijacking keeps happening, that's a classic example of somebody that's gone into that quote unquote victim mode, powerless mode, not taking responsibility mode. So, Ro, based on what you just said there, what kind of phrases may say somebody use when it feeling or being in that mode, i.e. the pattern or that feeling of hijacking? You're just looking for the classic one is, why does this always seem to happen to me? I mean, it just happens. It's a phrase that we hear a lot and it's a, it's a, it's the wrong type of question. And we're not going to go down that conversational route because one of the steps in the turning point process is number one is language, changing the questions we ask ourselves. So if you ask that question all the time, why does this always seem to happen to me? You'll keep looking for the answer to that question. So you just try and you'll just find yourself seeing it more and more. People always seem to have a story. We've talked about that one already or a, a string of stories. I mean, how often have you Think back in all the years you've gone through this harm, all your life, both as an employee, then self-employed, running your own business, being involved in the, in the seminar, events, industry, personal development world. You've heard, you've seen people that have come in and out of different events. Maybe they've been part of a, a journey along the way. Have you come across people that often have the same story? They don't seem to have moved forward. They're still searching for a solution. They're going to another seminar to see if they can get fixed at that one or get a solution. Have you come across that? Because I certainly have, but I just want to see if you've seen it as a millennial. Yeah, I bet I bet you have because 
for the context of listeners, if you're just tuning in for the first episode, Ro runs larger events to help people. And this is just one topic uh, in a large right. array of topics that people come, come to an event to learn how to take responsibility and then move on. But what, what Ro is talking about is someone who continues to arrive at an event to personally develop themselves, but actually it, it transpires that they just want another person to tell their story to. That's what that's how I sometimes see it, Ro. So for example, uh, Ro, you may be on stage and there's a support team to help facilitate an event like this. So it could be myself, it could be five, six, seven other people as part of the team. Now, how this plays out is, Ro, when that person in the breaks or the lunches or after afternoon sessions, etc., they would come to each individual team member, including yourself, and say the same story. And that's when you know, uh, and then we, we could be having dinner and say, uh, oh, did you, did, was you aware? How, how can we help this person who's going through this situation? And then another team member says, oh yeah, I know they're going through that situation. Another team member says, oh my goodness, yeah, I know they're going through that situation. So then we have to work on understanding this person is potentially is just not taking responsibility and they are they're falling into this behavior pattern of what we're discussing today so that's typically where i see it that's a very good explanation actually and and we'd sometimes smile because literally each one of us had been told the same story and you know to try and help everybody listening to this understand what's going on there this is an individual that has a massive need for connection uh, but also validation and a need. They get their connection by telling the story. So if you're wondering, well, how does that get them a connection? Because if you think about it, if you tell somebody about something that's happened to you, that is, is a tragedy in your life, many of them be a tragedy, it should just be a set of circumstances that you're upset about. The first reaction by most human beings is to feel sorry for that person. To It creates a connection. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. How did it happen? What happened? And who are we most interested in? Ourselves. And it's human, human nature. If you pick up a photograph with 10 people in it and you're in that photograph, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to go to you first. You're, you're going to look for yourself. You're going to seek you out in there, in that photograph. It is our nature to do that. So when somebody carries their stories around to somebody else, it gets a link, it gets a connection, it gets somebody interested in them. It gets the other person asking them questions. So imagine doing that to 10 different people. You're going to get 10 different people showing a great interest in you, but also feeling sorry for you. And of course, now you are you know, the victim, etc. So it's a, unfortunately, it's a, a repetitive pattern. And if you're recognizing it whilst you're listening to this and that's the problem some people don't even realize they're doing it i mean i've i've described this at events and i've seen people come up and go oh my gosh yeah it's funny you should say that i know somebody like that and yet i'm looking at this person thinking but i've seen you like this all weekend but they haven't seen it themselves so that's when you either got to get permission or start to look for the signs and these are some of the signs we've talked about already Uh, yeah and i think that's why it's useful that we highlight these signs early so you know if somebody is feeling aware and i know our listeners are uh, of a self-development a self-improvement go-getter action oriented style person anyway so this is just refining their behavior around the, the word responsibility but they may be able to help somebody else who is not seeing this in themselves so the question i have before we move on to maybe some more subtle things that appear is how can somebody very quickly help somebody else become aware of this uh, consistent story which is just in a loop um, bearing in mind our list some of our listeners are coaches some of our listeners are people who who are just out there helping others and understand this principle how can they help another well they basically have to tell them to stop bloody complaining 
and bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easy, easy way to do it. No, I'm joking. Um, I think it, it's a tricky one because it depends who it is harms. I mean, if it's somebody really close to your family member, often they don't want to hear this. Whereas yeah. I find actually people who are slightly more distant are, are easier to approach depending on the circumstances, certainly for me, but maybe that's because they come to me in a slightly different context. So if, you, if you're if you aware of somebody who who is constantly doing this, the, well, my most important question to you would be, why do you feel the need to help them? That's the first thing. D- do you need to take responsibility to actually help them? And if the answer to that is yes, Dr. Rowe, yes, Harms, we, you know, I've got somebody, I really want to know how to help them then you're making the assumption that they want to be helped and you're making the assumption that you are the right person to help them. So I'm going to just be devil's advocate and reflect that back just for a minute. But even if that was the case and you say, well, yeah, I believe that they'll listen to me, then it's a case of sitting down with them and saying, look, I really understand the situation you've described. You've got to be empathetic for it. I understand the description you've just given me. What I'm noticing is this is a similar description or the same story that you mentioned to me before. And then introduce the word story early. Now, that often gets um, an interesting reaction. I mean, if I said to you, I've heard you tell this story before. Let's say you're telling me a situation, Harms, about you know, your mum's situation and then how it's affecting you. And I say, yeah, I've heard you. If I said to you, oh, I've, I, you mentioned this before, that's very different to if I say to you, yeah, I've heard you tell this story before. What's your reaction when I say tell this story? You know, the reaction is, hang on a minute, this is not a story. This is actually happening. This is factual. This is real life. How dare you call my life a storybook? Right, right. Exactly. But so even by the definition of me saying it, it changes a person's response to it. So I'm saying, I'm using the word story here because I use it as a test. And this is very subtle coaching technique now. I didn't know you could ask this question, but I'm just sharing with you. That would be a test for me. If I was talking to you, I'd say, yeah, I've heard you tell this story before. Now, if you react by stopping the sentence and that's happened before people go they stop and they go what do you mean by story i go well okay sorry what i mean is you mentioned this situation before um it's just that it sounds like it's happened quite a few times and i remember now you could use different ways to, to approach this you could say i was listening to a podcast the other day with harms and dr Rowe, and they were just talking about how sometimes we get caught in a story um i get a feeling that maybe you're caught in something similar that's one approach to it but it is that's a lot more sophisticated and it unless you know how to handle it, it might get a funny reaction. Or you might just simply say, look, I've heard you mention this a few times before. Is it possible that you, you know, there's something you could do here to change the situation? So that's that's another way to get them to reframe it. So we're kind of getting into what I was going to cover a little bit later on, which is some of the okay, solutions. Okay, cool. Well, well but, let's, let's press pause. But I think, um, but but in order to manage it, Harms, I don't know if the question yeah. was to do with managing it or, or how do you help them? Because you said, how do you help them? Well, I, I, very Which good point. Which kind of jumped um, in ahead of this process I was going to sort of talk us through at the end. So so, that, so that's a good introduction to the process. It was very much around, but, the, but one of my key takeaways from what you said there is sometimes it helps if a third party or, or somebody else uh, interacts with that person in order to solve it, which is why people come to your events, which is why people listen to our podcast, which is why people watch, you know, the Cicado show video series. That's... Uh, partly why because one way in which to help is uh, which jumped out to me from what you just described there is well just one of the ways you can just point them to this podcast yeah um, in a very 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 subtle way just point them to this podcast and they themselves may discover the fact that they're in this loop they're in this story they keep saying this consistent message Um, because because this leads on to the next point where which is the subtle 
and the unconscious behavior of this? Because one thing you mentioned was, you know, some people go through life with that for decades. You know, we've seen people in their 60s and 70s come up with the same story they've been saying since their 30s or 40s. So yeah, this plays out uh, without somebody realizing, and that's where it becomes subtle and unconscious. Could you share with the listeners how this may be more subtle? We've described obvious things where you may be, the listener may be thinking, yep, I know somebody does that. You know, there's probably six people in my family who do that. I do that twice a week. You know, they're, yeah. they're very open, they're honest. But and again, it's, pattern, it's patterns, it's patterns, it's patterns. I think yeah. this is a really important point. Twice a week there, you mentioned it. Somebody reacts twice a week to a situation. Maybe that's not so much being a victim. It's just being pissed off. But if yes. somebody's living in that cycle, that's very different. And uh, you, you know, your reference to going back to the podcast, I think is a good one to, as well. Go, coming out that last question is part of the reason that Harms and I, when we do these podcasts, we cover such broad sets of different examples is that in a conversation out there with somebody else that's going through a similar situation, you can say to them, look, I was listening to something recently and funnily enough, exactly what you described there, they talked about in the podcast. So it gives you a hook straight into it without you having to give them the answer. So yes. use that kind of reference, quick way to get people to listen to a self, because this is about them taking ownership as well. Subtle unconscious signs are, uh, you're going to have to look for it in yourself. So thought, what thoughts are going on in your head? So what, where do your... When people say to me, what do you mean by thoughts? Where do your thoughts go first? That's the, that's the best way to position the question is when something happens, where do you allow the flow of your thoughts to go? Do your, flow, do your thoughts go to an empowering place, solution-oriented, almost like being slightly rebel to a situation that's happened to you? Do you find yourself saying, right, okay, this is the situation we're in. We've got literally eight hours. We promised my mum we were going to go and see her. If this lockdown happens, these are my thoughts, right? I'm thinking of somebody in London. This, if lock, we're not going to get the food to my mum. We're not going to get a chance to see them. Honey, let's grab our stuff and let's get the fuck out of London. That could be someone who's corralling their thoughts into a direction where somebody else goes, oh my God, have you seen this? Who can I call? I'm going to call Aunt Nelly. I'm going to call brother. I'm going to call John. I'm going to, so I'm going to text WhatsApp. Doom, 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 doom. I'm going to tell everyone about how shit this situation is. So my thoughts are in that situation, just going into a description of like, it's just like muddy water. It's just a brain full of foggy, negative feelings. And those feelings can include anger, helplessness, frustration. These are classic victims' reactions. Frustration, hopelessness, almost a feeling of like, I got no power. So disempowered is another, mm. another feeling that people have. Listen to the words you use. Are they sharp, edgy? internal words I'm talking about, but also you could have just, it could be just express it when you're walking. Like, oh, what the fuck? I can't believe this is happening. There's another classic one as well. Why does this always happen? I can't believe this is happening. Uh, mm. Well, you got to believe it because it's happening. Uh, we all use them, but it's, it's how often we use them in what context we use them. One is like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Can you believe this? That's one reaction to someone who's actually going into a state of depression because they just can't believe it's happening. What do I do? So think about the energy the, the vibrational frequency, is the response a low energy down in your stomach pulling you down or is a response kind of cycling up through your chest? And when I do work with people energetically, I ask them to put their hand where they feel that feeling and that pretty much tells me whether they're in victim mode or not. 
And there's all sorts of subtle actions. How do we go and eat? Do we do we revert to some sort of form of uh, smoking or watching TV or some sort of behavioral pattern that is a natural reaction to these things? So these are subtle things you can look out for, little habits that you find yourself falling back into as a result of feeling like you're a victim. When you're powerless, you pretty much let anything happen to you. That's generally the feeling. Yeah, and I think when you're powerless, the thoughts, the feelings, the words, they just tug you in all different directions. Yes. Uh, I've seen situations where somebody's heard news and they've just, they just sat there stunned in silence. They don't actually realize they're sitting there stunned in silence. Right, right. So I think the very fact <laughs> yeah, that true. you, firstly, you have to notice your thoughts. You have to notice your feelings. You have to notice the words that are floating around your, your mind, plus the words, the first words that come out your mouth. What is that? What was that phrase? Uh, and also notice and it's something we it's a common theme we speak about on all the podcasts well, which is you know you talk about it as being a silent witness just observe yourself in that moment and it takes practice and it's it's uh it's something which a meditation practice as an example can help you with to slow down that thought process those surges of feelings the words that just fly out your mouth impulsively so I think just if you used to underline or put a big circle around the thoughts, the feelings, the words and the actions which Rose just described, it's firstly, you have to be able to notice them. So um, mm. that's just something I wanted to add there. My, I mean, mindfulness is a word that maybe the younger generation are more aware of harms because that's a term that's come in in the last five years or so. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a cool word. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about in this podcast is uh, we ha- there is a concept of mindfulness and and hopefully the listeners know that we go we go to the layers b- deeper than mindfulness uh we go to the the unconscious the conscious mind uh, mindfulness i think is amazing because it's in terms of a word it's got people even understanding that there is a concept of being mindful about what's happening in your mind but then when you listen to our podcast we've already gone so deep we've gone so beyond the concept of being mindful to the point of shifting, and we're going to talk about a bit later, shifting these kind of behavior patterns because somebody who's mindful may still not realize That's right. they're telling the same story yeah. and the same story is not serving them uh, in a positive manner. But the nice thing with the process of mindfulness, it makes them aware. So if, even if it just allows them to pause and, and to reflect uh, on that note then. So when when have you been aware of this? Subtle thoughts or more obvious ones? What What's an example for you, uh, maybe from a young person's perspective, what would be a reaction that you're aware of? Or even somebody in their 30s now reflecting back to when you were in your 20s. Was there a pattern or anything that you noticed? I think uh, in my early 20s, Ro, and I think this is still common amongst, I wouldn't say everyone, but it's certainly amongst certain pockets of my generation. And that was uh, a sense of blaming the older generation. So as an example, uh, I'm never going to own a home. You know, this is a very common thing in the UK for young people. I'm never, ever going to own a home because the older people have just driven up the prices. Uh, I'm never going to own a home because a richer person who lives abroad is buying property in the UK and driving up prices. I'm never going to own a home because landlords are buying up all the properties left, right and center. So there's none left for me. So I think blaming the older and also different class of generation, you know, the more wealthy, the richer, this is something which was very apparent in my uh, late teens, early 20s, before I even understood the concept of what we're talking about now, which is, you know, if somebody else is also wealthy out there, you can be as well. You know, it just just doesn't have to be for them. So I think sense of blaming the older generation certainly exists. Then we've got the opposite of that world, which I've seen, which is a feeling of, or a, 
a conscious feeling of not caring, uh, not giving a damn. Uh, who cares what the government says? Who cares what this person says? I'm not bothered. And I think that's also a hidden slash masked form of not taking responsibility. So very common among teenagers anyway. I'm not bothered by that. I don't care. That's different. I'm talking about when you get into your professional life, your working life, your creative life in your 20s, when you act as if you don't care or you use that statement that you don't care. And I've used it as well. Uh, I, you know, I've I had spells in my, uh, pro- my past life, my past career, where I would go through periods where if I had a bad performance review, so here's an example, which may be very apparent to listeners in their 20s who are young, they just want to do their own thing. And you have a performance review with a manager who's of, you know, an old generation, somebody similar age to you. And the performance review didn't go as what you expected. You thought, oh, you're going to get flying 10 out of 10s, 10 out of 10s. You, you did an amazing job. Whereas actually they highlight areas of improvement. You know, one of my ways to respond to that was, I'm not going to care. And I, and I saw this play out with other people in the workplace as well. Oh, I'm just not bothered. Oh, who cares? Who cares? Well, actually, this is a subtle form of myself not taking responsibility for that action, um, that feedback, that constructive feedback was coming my way. That certainly played a role. Now, there's a third and final one I've noticed, wrote. This is uh, less I've noticed personally, but I see it more in the younger generation. And this is not people in their 20s. Now, this is people in their teens. And you may have noticed this as well. There's a level of expectation that everything should just be served on a silver platter right and i know this is a, a phrase that my parents use with me like you, everything's not going to turn up <laughs> on, on a silver platter i think my generation you know, not, had that view of the millennials for some reason <laughs> I, I i think that is the case but there's some partial truth in that because there is a pocket of millennials who just expect that when they turn and this is again this is an interesting point row is it their fault? Now, here's a question. Is it their fault that because they went to university and got a fantastic degree and spent £50,000 on their education, that they should come out and get a 30, 40, 50, £60,000 a year annual salary? But they don't. Instead, they have to work in a fast food chain in order to gain some experience in the workplace before they can shift to the career they wanted. Is that their fault? And if we're going to go into part two, the answer is yes, because somebody should be taking total responsibility of everything that's happening in their life. But it's how they respond to that. Some people would get upset coming out of their education. Some people will get annoyed. But it links back to this expectation that exactly. and a convers- it should just happen for them. The conversation you know? then goes, but you don't understand. I mean, the job place isn't like it was when you came out there. There's so many people applying for the same job now. And you don't understand that, that, you know, the qualification requirements are so much higher. And so we go down. Now, that's another classic of the conversation of mm-hmm. the person that feels or isn't aware that they're going into victim mode, which is you don't understand. And then they go dot, dot, dot. And then they explain and justify exactly yeah. why their situation is where it is. And then from the age of 25 to 35, there's nothing happened proactively in their life because they've held on to this story. And this isn't the case for everyone. There are alternative thought patterns. When you do take responsibility, things do shift and things do change. But we'll speak about that later. And if I was to pinpoint what this has come about from, I would say something which we don't actually know the effects of yet is is the world of social media, the world of information being available immediately and i don't want to go into the scientific part of this but you know 
as humans, we have two sort of main processing machines in our mind. One processes things fast. It's the automatic function. You know, that plate is hot. And, you know, I know not to touch that plate. That's dealt with for us. You know, if I want to walk into a room, I have to open the door and I walk into the room. What that means is we don't have to stop, think, okay, there is a door in front of me. I have to turn the handle uh, in the downwards direction and push in order for me to get in the room. Thank goodness we have a part of our mind which just allows us to do things automatically. Now, there's another part of our mind which processes things slowly. And this is a very rational conversation I'm having, Ro, just for the younger generation. There's a part of our mind which processes things uh, it takes the time. It's the, it's the when there's a dot, 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 how do we react? This is when some people are able to engage this part of their mind and some people are not. And this is where the true responsibility lies on how you truly react to a situation. Problem here, though, is we are being, uh, or my generation certainly, or people who use social media on a daily basis are being trained out of using that slow thinking part of their mind where they're just going from, information piece to information piece, information piece, information piece. So it's almost making that ability, which you spoke about, even less of an ability to the point where it's a weak muscle. If you think about the fact that we can watch a video and get a piece of information, which tells us how we should respond with headlines and and captions and somebody narrating, we have a very weak ability muscle when it comes to deciding how we want to react. So I think that's one of the causes amongst many, but that's something worth highlighting. One, because it's a common topic, but one, because we also don't understand still the damage that this is having on the, the younger generation as such. So does that answer the question? I know you, you spoke about, you know, how does this affect the younger generation? There was three key points there. Sense of blaming older generation, a feeling of not caring, and just a general expectation that everything should happen for us and life should be super comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and I think the word, you know, you talked about, maybe not having the, the, the muscle power, the, the word atrophy came to mind as you were talking. And, mm. you know, atrophy is a result of some, a muscle not being worked and being used on a consistent basis. It starts to die off. And it, in, and actually you've raised a point that I think for the younger generation, the, the muscle of responsibility has atrophied. I, I, I think there's, there are so many different ways to deflect and to point the um, the power and make the excuse of because of this this is why I'm in this situation. So I think if the younger generation and that's not just your generation but the generation below you as well, the younger group below you, were to say, well, let me take responsibility for everything that's happening at the moment in my life. What can I bring back the power? How can I bring back the power? What can I do to bring back that power? I think we'll see a shift in their attitude moving forward, but it's going to take a really strong push from not just people like ourselves, but it has to be a movement. It's in the same way, the vegan movement suddenly picked up momentum in the last three or four years. And yet people have been talking about changing diet, maybe coming onto more plant-based food for, for decades. There was a tipping point. I think the, the tipping point of responsibility is, is not there yet. It's going to take a lot more work. People have to start to take ownership before they actually can get to that space. And that's one of the things I want to come into. But I do think that's a topic, a massive topic of discussion, which is the atrophying, the atrophying of that muscle. That's a great phrase to use. That being said, we've spoken about the younger generation. How have you observed it in your generation? How does this play out when it comes to, you know, not taking responsibility for the way somebody reacts? And I personally seen it. We've also discussed a few examples, but how do you see it across the board? And have you got a, a personal example, if you'd like to share. 
Well, I mean, I think in reality, the, the feelings are still the same older and younger, but the younger generation are experiencing it for the first time. When you suddenly choose as a 20-year-old, or 30-year-old to get into the, into the behavior of being a victim and to use a, what is really a simple, it's like a couch, it's like a, it's like a TV couch state of mind. You can slip back into that place. After a while, that TV couch has a little bit of a mold on it. It's got him in his buttocks on it. It's got Sarah's buttocks on it, whoever the person <laughs> is. And then the more that person sits in that couch, in other words, reverts back to that state of mental behavior, the couch becomes more and more molded to that person. So when you get to the older generation, like my age group, the couch, you know, you get out the couch and you know what? We could try something different. The couch is now molded. That person's tired. They're tired, you know, they, they've got into such a habit of becoming the victim of, of not taking responsibility that they've, they've just got used to it now. So they, they don't try, they've lost passion. So what I'm seeing is that when situations occur now, instead of a passionate fire response from maybe the same person 20, 30 years ago, they've dropped into the chair and the chair, instead of springing back a little bit and they can get back out of it, they just sink into it because, ah, oh, this is exactly where I am. I'm comfortable in this person's mold the person that I've been for the last 20 years, not taking responsibility. And again, I'm going to keep saying it so that if it pisses people off or prods buttons, hopefully it's getting a reaction. But it, it, so the passion is lost as well, Harms. I mean, you've probably seen this. When we do have an audience and we get the younger generation and the older generation there, the younger generation are really firing. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll get an older generation of which some are fiery. They've still got that passion. They're not the ones yeah. that have been victims, but they take responsibility. And you can see it in their behavior. But there is a majority that are slower. Yeah, this would be, yeah, this could be good to get, you know, there's a slight glimmer. Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could make a change. So typically they've lost their power. They stop growing. I think this is a massive one. That The minute somebody chooses not to take responsibility, by definition or by default, they're not then having to grow. They're not having to do something to grow out of those circumstances, to water the, the ground, to lay some new seeds, to build new muscles, to learn a new skill. So they stop growing. And I think that's the challenge for the older generation. We, we have a lot of the older generation have stopped growing. And they feel like they've been here before. They've tried it. It didn't work. They've lost direction because what, I didn't, what didn't work before, I've tried it again, it didn't work. So I stopped trying. So they live small. Their aspirations are smaller. They're, you know, they don't grow and their life just, you know, it is what it is. And hey, this has happened to me before. And this is what you said earlier on. It's about by not doing anything, you're actually effectively not taking responsibility. It's a pretty dark picture I'm painting here. And it's not, I'm not saying it's everybody, but in that generation, you're asking me about the older generation. When people are like that, it just tells me they're tired and they don't want to step up and take responsibility and say, right, I need to get fit. I need to get energetic. I've got to change something in my mindset. I'm going to get up and work out, go for a run. I'm, I'm, I'm going to drive some extra miles. I'm going to go to the bank and ask for a loan to start this new business. Didn't work before, but I've got a new set of tools now. No, they're just tired. The couch seat has molded their buttocks and they're going to stay there for life. <laughs> Sorry, but that's my metaphor. <laughs> why that, although it is a, is a dark picture, why that's important is if a younger person is listening to this, if you are responding the way at the moment, you're fiery, you're passionate, but that Brilliant. is directed exactly. towards blame and others. 
i.e. not taking responsibility, this is where you may end up. And <laughs> exactly. there may be a point. There may be a point where where they just don't have the energy to even get up off the couch. And I think that's that's a tough place to be. So the sooner you can realize this, the better. So but- on, on that note then, what Harmind has pointed out very clearly is what are the consequences if you don't mm. take responsibility? And I'm painting them for you from my perspective. So if you want to hang it out, and I don't mean me personally, but a lot of people in my generation, which is why you asked the question, I guess, but that's a very, very valid point I'm just making is the study of circumstances is one of the most powerful ways to change your current situation. Do something different because you don't want to end up like that old fuddy-duddy over there or whatever, whatever phrase you want to use. I think that's so insightful because one of the advantages we have in our podcast, which is actually not common in other podcasts, is the fact that we are from two different generations. So we can almost paint that picture over the course of somebody's lifetime uh, and show you different pathways that can be walked, which I absolutely love. Now, one of the questions, however, that may come up uh, in a listener's mind, and I personally felt this uh, a while ago, actually, when I was... I've spoken about this in the past 10 day meditation, silent meditation retreat. And one of the questions that came up early based on what they were discussing is, so guys, are you saying, well, what you're saying to me is harms, what you're saying to me is, am I just not supposed to feel the lows of a certain situation? Are you saying I should just be this happy, clappy person and whatever happens to me, ah, just brush it off my shoulders. Uh, It's all good. Not bothered. Uh, What are we saying? Does that question make sense, Ro? I'm just yeah, talking, yeah, I'm yeah. almost painting it as a situation, but how? what do you say to somebody who's saying, are you telling me not to feel the lows? Is that what you're saying here? No, feel, feel it. Feel the pain. F- to be alive is to feel joy. To, to be alive is to feel pain. To be alive is to have darkness and to have light. To have ecstasy and to have excruciatingly hollow emotional experiences. That That is the joy of being a human being. It's how we react to them. It's our responsibility for taking that emotion and then saying, what do I do with this? Where do I place this? How do I make this a building block in the character who, who, for whom I'm going to become in the future? That's all it is. We're just a, a series of these building blocks and we choose to place them and reshape them. A diamond is formed because it's, you know, it's a piece of coal that was just put under extreme pressure. And as corny and as cliche as that is, it's a classic example of people have used for years. As human beings, if we choose to be numb to everything, then we can't take responsibility for anything as well. So it's not a case of not feeling it because I think the reaction is a, a reaction of your soul. You know, my soul is different to harm's, is different to yours. So it's okay to have the reaction, to have the emotional. It means that you're alive. You know, if you can't feel pain, then where are you? So th- this is important and it's an important question. What we're saying is choose how you react to that situation. You can choose to be empowered. You can choose to be enthusiastic. You can choose to be passionate. You can choose to be a victim. You can choose to be hopeless. You can choose to be angry. It is your choice. So you then need to start to have an ability to respond to different situations. And the ability comes from growth. It comes from having tools to know how to deal with uh, a financial crisis, having tools to know how to articulate and communicate with impact in a difficult situation, having tools to know how to manage someone around you that's having a meltdown and it's happened a lot. And how do you react to that? It's it's having the tools to be able to um, look after your health and not just say, but I don't know how to do this. So 
ability comes from growth and even emotional development. And our reaction to that is, you know, it's okay to react, but you have to choose the right direction. So life is this series of ups and downs. I mean, Harminder's just had a, a beautiful little boy. You know, you've had already a few ups and downs over the last few months. And as somebody that's got a 12-year-old and a and a daughter who's just lost a tooth overnight, by the way, <laughs> my youngest, she went, she came running upstairs. Look, that is God. I know that Harminda is going to have some absolutely joyous moments, but also heart-stopping, gut-wrenching. And if anyone listening, you've got kids, you'll know this. Moments when you just want to take their pain and take that whole lot on. And you may have even had that already, Harminda. But it's um, but you, you've got to have that. That's the beauty of being a parent, being someone that's responsible for another child. Uh, somebody that you brought into your life. So I think it's a really great question you've asked there. And I know I might have expressed it quite openly and passionately, but um, we're not saying that. We're saying acknowledge the feelings, but then respond accordingly in a way that's going to move you in a, in a better direction than a disempowered direction. And, and I can assure you, uh, my, my eyes are tearing up because I have felt those moments. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, you know, if, if I was to go back and say, would I, would I want that moment to be a numb feeling? Absolutely not. No. I mean, goodness me, I would have, I would have missed the whole experience. So this leads us nicely on to the next question, which is, you know, having established what this is, having established the signs, what can somebody now do to regain their personal power and or make this a new way of living, a new characteristic that, you know, there's a phrase in New Year's resolutions, like how can they make this the way forward for themselves? So that's the question. Uh, this is a great one. I mean, I mean, it might be, before we just jump into that quickly, it might be worth us sharing a couple of our own circumstances that have happened that you know, where we haven't necessarily react as empowered as we should have done. I, I, funnily enough, when we're coming to record the podcast, I was reflecting on some early ones. And I remember when I got into my property investing career, uh, I went through these trainings, as you know, because I mean, we teach them as well now. But I connected with this chap who I believed knew what he was doing with property. And I was trying to do a flat conversion. So I was converting two houses into four flats. Now this is going back to 2002. So it's going back quite a while now. And I just, without really doing a lot of research, I just relied on everything he was giving me. So he said, I've got some builders. You can use my builders that I use. And uh, I've got a local merchant you can use up there as well. So I just jumped in for speed to expedite it. I thought, great, I can stay in the South. I was living in Hertfordshire at the time. Uh, I'll just get them to jump in and do the work for me. And I probably lost close to 30 or 40,000 pounds on that project with just money that was pissed away because the builders were appalling. It got to a point where I actually, when I snapped out of this, oh my God, this is ridiculous. What are they doing? Why are they so bad? These are the kind of conversations I was having. Why, why is it taking so long? They're crap builders. Uh, I tried to even change to another builder. And I got, when I finally, accepted that this was down to me and this anger of, I remember literally money just dripping out of the account at one point for about three or four weeks. I said, right, I need to take ownership of this. I got in the car without telling them and I drove up to them at about 11 o'clock in the morning when it should have been full on working. Not a single freaking soul at the house, Harms. I get to the house. I don't think I've told you this story. I said a house is like four flats. I get to these flats and nobody's there. There's a skip outside the house. Now, bear in mind, I've been taking money up, um, 
transferring money and and coming up to look at the project on preset dates. So I'm telling the builder when I'm coming up. So I go up on an unannounced trip and the bear in mind, I've been angry, pissed off and frustrated. All those things we're talking about, oh, it's, it's not my fault. I'm, and I'm, not, I'm also angry at the person that referred them to me. I'm getting pissed off with him. And I've seen this in more recent years with people that have done this. You know, I never once checked the builder. I didn't once go and interview the builder. I didn't once go and look at the builder's work. I just took this person's, and I phoned him up and I was pissed off and angry with him. And I was just venting off at him. And he said, well, you know, it's your choice, bro. I did say to you, if you want to go and check the work. And you said, no, no, I'm fine. I trust you. <laughs> so I went up there. No one's working on the house harms. And then the neighbor comes out and he goes, oh, are you the owner of the property? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, these guys haven't been here for about three or four days. I said, well, where are they? He goes, oh, they're on another project. They're just working on another job. They just come here occasionally. So what they've been doing is they've been actually being paid for another job. I've been paying for this job. They weren't even working on it. It took, That was four flats. It must have taken nine months, and it should have probably taken about three months to do because it wasn't even a major conversion. So that was an example of me as a young, fiery, pissed-off millennial I would have been, or I've been in that age group in my 30s, but just totally – relying on somebody else's word and not once doing any checking up at all. And yet I felt like I was the victim and I moaned on it. I still moaned about it for probably about six to eight months afterwards. It became a story I told. And then it turned out to be a story I told on my teaching in my property weekends on learning what to do differently next time. So I was teaching my audience, but that's a classic example in the business side of things where I definitely slipped into victim mode. I, th I think uh, it, that's a fantastic example because we've spoken about personal situations and to, this applies in the context of work and business. Uh, like I shared previously, Ro, you know, for me, it was a performance review where I was one of those employees and I started to do side hustles. Uh, I started to want to build a business and get additional income on the side because I was just that way inclined. And that had a detrimental effect on my job as it would, you know, there's only so much energy in places you can put into for you to get the maximum benefit for that company and for my business, et cetera. But one of the challenges was when they gave me the performance review, I blamed them. I blamed the situation uh, of, of my, my team. I blamed this person. Then I went into a mode of not caring. And it was only like six, seven months later when I said, actually, I deserve probably a worse performance review. That person was probably being kind to me based on my actual performance because, yeah, this is actually what I've been doing or this is what my situation has been. And I think what I I discovered was the moment... So, that, so, he, so here was my takeaway, and it may have been yours as well. The moment I had just owned the fact that actually that was my fault, every single part of it was my fault, and the way I was reacted was poorly, and it's probably wasted six months of my time. It was like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders, and my mind was clear, clear to understand what the next step was. Uh, and I don't know if that's how you felt when trying to to tackle this tricky situation you was in at the time. Exactly. And I think that's really leading us, in a way, sharing these stories. The reason I wanted to do it now is because out of a story comes a solution often to how to get around things. Mm. And if we break it down, because you asked the question, you know, what are the things that people can do to regain the power? This is a nice way to take the podcast home, really, is the first one is acceptance. I mean, you talked about it. It certainly happened for me is acceptance. Anything that happens. So remember, let's go back to the start of the podcast. This is about your response to a situation or something that's happening to you. So 
you have the power. This is all about power. Think about having uh, powerless is another word for victim. So if you were powerful, then you are the opposite to a victim. So that means what do I need to do to become empowered? Well, the point is that no matter what is happening around us, we are the one person that has a choice on how we react to that. So it's our, we have a choice, even that word alone. We have a choice that gives us a choice to choose a powerful solution or a powerless solution. So number one is to accept the situation. Shit happens. And the truth is it's going to continue to happen. No one individual listening to this is not going to have something else at some point in their life happen to them. And if you could argue against that, even if it was on a macro level within your own family, then it will be on a global level outside of your control anyway. So even if you sat at home and did absolutely sweet all, did nothing, just sat at home and did nothing for the next week, there will still be a set of circumstances outside of your home, in your town. If it's not in your town, it's in your county or your, you know, your area, your borough. If it's not in your borough, your county or area, it's in the country. If it's not in the country, it's on the continent. If it's not on the continent, it'll be on the globe. Something will happen that will have a direct impact on your life. It happens. Get over it. Accept it. That's the first thing. And the minute... So go on. on that road, what's that <laughs> phrase where somebody says that there is a phrase or there's a pattern or somebody's looked at the pattern where every... X amount of years, something catastrophic or yes. something big happens uh, in an individual's life, their family life, their, to do with their health or do with their finance, something will happen. And this is almost a, a pattern which occurs. So um, if true. you're wondering, you know, if Rose, oh, yeah, Rose, but if I, if I put myself in a bunker and nothing happens, yeah, but, but now you can't exercise and something's going to happen to your health. <laughs> exactly. For every choice, there's a reaction to it. And that's where you want to get to, actually. It's a very good point. So Okay. So, so, so the opposite to that is the minute you, me, Arminda, whoever it is, we have an idea, something that we want to do. Uh, we want to try a new project. We want to go in, enter into a new relationship with somebody. We want to start a new business. We want to change my career. The minute you do that, it will require you to take an action. And this is the whole point. The minute you take an action, those of you who remember your studies from school, Newton's third law is that um, there is an equal and opposite reaction to any force put out into the universe. So when you push against something, it it will react against you. If I you know if I push against a big rock and I keep pushing, I will feel the force of that rock pushing against me. There's an equal and opposite reaction. It works in our lives. The minute you move, if, even if I breathe, the fact that I'm breathing. In, if I breathe in, that will draw air into me, but it also will create a little bit of a void because my stomach comes in or out or vice versa. So there's a n- natural reaction to that. The minute I decide to do something, I now start a chain of events because when you do something, it creates a knock-on reaction. Oh, I need to call Harminda because I'd like to start marketing my new product online. So I pick up the phone and now I've made a phone call. That now affects his life. He also then gives me a reaction to that. And he says, well, you'll need to do this, this, and this. Now I've got a list of four or five things on that one idea has now become a a list of four or five things. Now from that, it's going to involve me maybe some cost, some time. Oh, I've got to go and video something now. And And the only time I can do it because it has to be out by Thursday night is to video it on Wednesday night. But Wednesday night just happens to be my daughter's piano lesson. Ah, 
but I have to go and do the video. Otherwise I missed the deadline because I set myself a goal now. So I call up and I say to my lovely lady, could you look after the piano lesson because I can't make it back? And she said, but hold on a minute. We agreed I was going to come out and take our youngest daughter Liv to a gymnast class. Oh yeah, that's true. So now what we've got is a situation. <laughs> We've got a challenge. Now that can lead to an argument, but you're always doing these videos. Why, why do you have to do this video now? Why did you choose to do it? What do you mean? What do you, what, don't you understand? This is my passion. And all of a sudden we get into that conversation, which some of you are listening to again. I know exactly what he's talking about. But that came about from a single idea that I had and a phone call I made to somebody that I know helps and boom, off we go. So my point- And interestingly, Ro, <laughs> sorry, your point. Yeah, so my point is that the minute- you do something, it will create a reaction and the universe will push back. So what I'm saying is that every action or anything that we do, it will have something that pushes back. Now it will try and push with us on some occasions, but other times it will test us. It'll test our, our, our passion, our commitment, the goals we set. It will even test us on ideas. It will come through somebody else challenging us. A, a, a quick throwaway comment from a loved one to say, why do you keep doing this? You start another project. Why? There's a test on your commitment, your idea, your passion. But it also could be an insightful lesson on maybe I'm taking on too much. So nothing we do harms. Nothing, nothing, nothing we do happens without a reaction from the universe. It's then a question of how we respond to that. It is an, it's nature's natural way of testing us, testing our conviction, our beliefs, but also just making sure that our muscles are strong enough to deal with that next level of growth, to go up to another level of weight for five kilos to 10 kilos to 20 kilos. Sorry, I was just in a flow there. I had to get that out. No, please. Sorry, I interrupted. And interestingly enough, that scenario, if you was to take that scenario put it on a piece of paper and just spread it out as a timeline. There's, there's, there's an event which is occurring on that piece of paper, which you then have to, as a person, react to. So, you know, this is happening constantly. Yes. So when you open so the door true. to a new idea, a passion, a business, this is constant because one, it's in the business or the workplace. Then you come home and it's with the with the partner. Then it's, then it's with the children. Then it may be a friend and it may be a family member. And, there's so much demand on us in the society and the culture we live in and the demand achievers put on ourselves, you know, that, that that's something we have to own. It's not somebody else's fault. We want to do all of these amazing projects. And in those scenarios, we almost have to react. Uh, if you take certain professions where property investors have to react less so, but you take a trader, a trader may have to, and, and I think we're going to have a trader on to, uh, speak to us about trading may have to react more consistently on a regular basis around that profession. So this it, this goes deep, and it needs you to be aware of these constant things being thrown at you. It can be described as a universe. It can be described as pushback. It can be described as a message. It, it, there's many different ways to read it, but you're going to have to react. Yeah, um, and, and, and hopefully it, by now you know there's tools to do that. Even you saying this, th 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 there may be listeners who are like. Yeah, but I want exactly the, give us exactly the formula to this Rowan Harms. Tell me exactly what to do because I'm getting this yeah. now. I'm really getting the message, but I, I need an answer. Give me an answer. And all of a sudden that person's now becoming powerless because they're looking for a solution from us. And we're not going to give you the exact solution because your circumstances, you as a human being are different to anybody else. We're all unique. And I think the most important lesson from this, and this is probably what the whole podcast has been leading to is number one, accept that this is life. 
except that there is now a global pandemic and there is a government lockdown at this moment we're recording this, but you could be listening to this in two years' time or whatever your circumstances are for you. Except that that is happening, but don't accept that you can just sit there and do nothing. So that's the point is acceptance doesn't mean doing nothing. It just means acknowledging it and seeing it for what it is. Don't see it for worse than it is and don't see it for better than it is. And that's a whole different philosophy on, on reaction, by the way. And you just simply have to acknowledge that this is the circumstances as at the moment. And then there's a sequence to this you go through. Uh, but just to, I, I wrote something down, actually, as we were coming into the podcast. And I believe I, I could be wrong on this and maybe we need to go and check it. But I'm, I'm the old, old school reader from things like Norman Vincent Peale, the, the Power of Positive Thinking, an incredibly epic, famous book that was a, a life changing book in the world of personal development decades and decades and decades ago. But he I'm sure it's him I heard him say, the only people that don't have problems are the people in cemeteries. In other words, you know, <laughs> if you are lying dead in a cemetery, then you ain't doing nothing. And because you're not doing anything, you're not creating a reaction. And all that's happening is you're slowly disappearing into the world and then you're becoming a different form. But you're not physically alive, engaging with the world, trying something new. So accept the fact that whatever you do whilst you're alive in the world, whether you're doing something in a bunker like Harminder talked about or whether you're choosing to do something actively and getting out of the bunker and starting a new bunker, let's build a whole village of bunkers, there's going to be challenges with that. So the world is going to show up. It's going to push against you and you can fight against it. You could use the Aikido technique, which is pretty cool, which is where it comes at you. It's an equal and opposite reaction. You learn to deflect it and you take the energy from that and then you guide it into a different place and you, you, and you, you dance around it. Use metaphors. Dance with the challenge. Dance with the situation you're in. Have fun with it, but just don't fight it because fighting it is just draining because it's equal and opposite reaction. So number one is accept it. Number two, and, and I wrote about this in, in my book, actually, in Turning Point, there's, there's four things, prod, and they stand for perception, responsibility, ownership, and decisiveness or being decision uh, decision maker. So if you were following a sequence, it would be number one, accept. Number two, change your perception of the situation. Nothing has meaning apart from the meaning you give it. Okay, so this situation with lockdown over Christmas, shit, what do we do? Oh my God, this is terrible. Hey, we sat there last night and we just said, we're going to have an amazing, this is a chance to all of us get together as a family and just get all of our games out, unpack some of the stuff that's been packed away in storage because the house has been renovated. We're going to make the house feel amazing. We're going to get the kids to pull out some of the games they've never played. We're going to go for walks. We changed our perception of the situation. It might be locked down, but it's not locked out of life. It's just a different perception. Does that make sense, Harms? Makes total sense. And I think that's the first starting point, the next step, as you described. And also that can happen with the action, i.e. the conversation you've had there with the family, but also internally in terms of like you said, what metaphors are you using? How are you describing this in your mind? What feeling comes up and how do you change your perception based on that initial feeling? Can you change that feeling of frustration into excitement? Can you change that anger into drive and passion? And I think that's where the perception shift occurs. Yeah. And, and actually on that note is, you know, who can help me with that perception shift? What do I need to do to change my perception is there someone else that I'm looking, look around you 
and look at other people's reactions who are or you feel are more empowered. So you could take inspiration from great leaders. There's some fantastic celebrities doing things now. I think, you know, we're in the world of everybody's jumped onto Zoom and are doing interviews. And I know it's my, uh, Naomi Campbell, the great model from my period, particularly. She's doing some phenomenally inspirational interviews with great people that are out there that have changed the world. And she's just asking really straight questions. So go and look at what other people are doing and how they've changed their perception of the situation and then be empowered by that. I think that's really powerful. So one is accept, two is change perception. And that's a quick way to make yourself feel better, by the way. Even changing perception might be enough for you. You go, fuck, that's, that's all I need. That's brilliant. I've got it. I see things totally different now. Third one is, is responsibility, which we've been talking about today, but that's all part of this responsibility because it's your ability to respond. So these are tools as part of that. And I'm going to give you a quick quote from the Turning Point book. I've got it in front of me. For those of you who've got the book, it's page 52. Take responsibility for everything you do. Take responsibility for the decisions that you make, the actions that you take, and the errors that you make. Take responsibility for how you're feeling about an emotionally difficult situation that you may be in right now. Take responsibility for your failures. Take responsibility for your temporary setbacks. And equally, take responsibility for your successes. So I guess in a word, what I'm saying, Harms, is just everything that happens to you, just accept it's my responsibility, dot, 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 what can I do about it? That's the next step. So the step beyond that then is ownership. So ownership, yeah, okay, so ownership is now... I own this. And this is a great, I mean, it's good that you you phrased it that way because it literally is the next step beyond that is, okay, I own this now. So I own this feeling. Okay, I'm angry, but I own it, right? So how can I direct this feeling? I own this situation financially. I'm not in a good position. What can I do about it? How can I go from being disempowered, I don't know what the fuck to do, to empowering, uh, okay, I'm going to get my spreadsheets out. I'm going to speak to my bank manager. I'm going to reduce some of my debt over here. I'm going to do a balance transfer from a high interest loan to a, not a low, whatever it is. And by the way, that's not financial advice. But, <laughs> but in other words, take ownership for every action you take next. If you choose to go drink a bottle of whiskey, you own that responsibility. Whereas if you go and drink some juice, go for a run, look after yourself. So a quick way to check in, Harms, is to basically... if. Here's how you know you haven't got great ownership over something. Think about your health, your finances, your career, your relationship, and say your family life. Let's pick four areas of your life. On a scale of one to 10, how happy are you in those areas? Um, if it's a one, that means you feel really crappy. If it's a 10, that means you're ecstatic. The lower the score, the less generally, this is what I've observed with people. And again, you can reflect back and ask me questions if you want, but the lower the score, I generally find people have less ownership, meaning that they feel like a victim. They feel disempowered. So they don't feel as happy. They're not in control. Does that make any sense? That makes total sense. And actually that links nicely to what we discussed previously, which is you know, we are, I asked a counter question then, which is, are you saying don't feel anything? Right, well, right, right. This yeah, is yeah. why it's essential to feel something. Because if you don't, how do you know if you're uh, closer to one? How do you know if you're happy in areas of health, money, relationship and the family? Or are you uh, joyous in those situations? And if you don't feel it, how can you own something that you don't feel? It just becomes empty, it becomes a void. So I think that's that ties nicely into what you're describing in this 
third stage, which is ownership. Yeah. You, you might remember some of the live events, like Communicate with Impact. One of the things that we do on Communicating with Impact, and those of you that haven't found out about it, you should go and look into what we do. We do, we do these great seminars, virtual seminars, live seminars. And one of the things is owning your space. So when somebody's wanting to communicate, often they they don't see themselves as being a great communicator. So we do things called spatial anchors. We get them to step into a place and then we go, right, own this space. This is where you're empowered. When you stand in this spot here, you're the most empowering communicator. You can engage somebody, you can be passionate, you can get your message across and you've witnessed it yourself. You've seen people step into that spot. We did it on a stage, a little cross on the stage, and they stepped into it. And you could see your brother was one of them, actually. Literally, their body language shifts. They own that space because now they're in control. And that's what you have to do with your life, with every situation that comes in. Okay, I don't feel comfortable about it. it this has happened to me, and I'm feeling frustrated and angry and all these things that are natural reactions, as we talked about, don't ignore them. But now, how can I take those feelings and channel them? And own them in such a way that they're fuel to my passion, they're fuel to my vehicle, they're fuel to my financial future, fuel to my relationship. You know, these things that we consider to be negative, what if we compressed them and poured them into the tank and made them the fuel for what we want to get to? Owning them. I love that. Like almost like a nuclear reactor. Exactly. Like you compress it. <laughs> exactly. This is powerful. And it can it can provide energy for a city. That's how yeah, yeah. how these how powerful these cores are. And that's the feeling we want you to take away at that stage. I, I do remember those stage events, Rowan. And for those who haven't experienced it yet yourself, one of the things that you'll notice is when somebody steps into that space and they own the space around them, the audience's perception of them shift as well. They're like, oh, wow, yeah. they, they're taken, taken aback by the not the transformation, but the person in that moment who oozes ownership, oozes uh, trust, oozes authority, oozes expertise just because of the way that they own the space. And if you're thinking about, okay, what, what's what's one of the things that uh, uh, would benefit me from behaving like this? One is, yes, you're going to, your scores in areas of happiness are going to improve because they're linked. Uh, but second, the way people around you feel around you completely shifts in a magnificent direction. And I think that's uh, one takeaway that I noticed true. from when somebody steps up That's very and true. they own their space. It's sort of self-fulfilling, isn't it? Because then that you can see them standing in that, that place and they're getting a, a biofeedback. I mean, the last step, the step in the process, just in wrapping this up, is just being a really good decision maker, being decisive now. So that's where the D in prod comes in. We've got perception, responsibility, ownership, and decisive. Now you've taken ownership and you started to put that fuel in and redirect it. Now, be decisive about what happens next. What do I need to do to, to move myself forward? Who do I need to phone? Who do I need to speak to? What actions do I need to take? What do I need to, who do I need to forgive? Uh, that could be a nice question to ask yourself. And also, you know, what would be the next most powerful step that's going to move me away from this victim state that I was in before, unless this is the sort of language we need to use. Uh, and now as this new person, how do I need to act? So, so think decisively and, and start to question what specific decisions, and this is more about planning now. So you might want to go back and listen to our last podcast, uh, which we talked about actually setting actions and moving forward. And it's called Reset Act. And it was an acronym for taking specific actions and being decisive. So that would tie nicely into the last podcast we did, Harminda. I think one of the things somebody can take away from this is one this the simplicity of the action in terms of you're looking at right now 
an acronym which says PROD. And that's perception, changing your perception, the act of being responsible and the ability around that, which we've discussed in depth today, then taking ownership and the power that that brings to you, your personal power. It's not about anybody else here, it's about yourself and then making the decision to do that. Now, Ro, before you sign off with any final words, I just wanted to say one of the things we haven't really covered is what are the benefits to you as a human being for mm. acting in a responsible way, i.e. everything that happens to you, when that dot, dot, dot occurs, how do you react next? And depending on how you react, if you react at all, has a major impact on your life. So if, if I can share first, Ro, yeah, and then you can close us off because they've got some actions here. So one Rose already mentioned, which is linked with your happiness level, which is, you know, health, money, family, relationships. If it's closer to the one rating, there's a natural feeling of that, that feeling low consistently for a long period of time, like you're not achieving your goals within certain areas. And that is linked directly to the fact that you have less ownership in those areas. So that's been discussed. Uh, another insight I wanted to share was, you know, one of the things that I've felt over time that everything that occurs, which is positively linked in my life, comes back to what we've spoken about today. And those who listen to this podcast are off a self-improvement personal development orientation and what you would have noticed out there the listeners at home is it's very popular in media in certain books in certain motivational culture to describe things like grit resilience persistence as core characteristics of success and living a happy life and a fulfilled life and yes there's no denying they have a big impact but if i personally picked out one character trait which trumps them all for me and it is this what we've spoken about today which is taking complete the complete part we'll talk about in the future but complete personal responsibility on how you react to a situation mm. and you know if I when I ask myself okay why was that the case it's what you just described there with Prodro, which is it leads you very quickly and when you get good at this it, it, it does happen quite quickly very quickly to a decision because we're asking ourselves these self-reflective questions. The, what, if, what if I did it differently? Why did this occur to me? How can I change this situation in the, in the future? Who do I need around me? How can I act differently next time this occurs so I don't feel the same way or I don't end up in the same situation? You've given property examples. I've given workplace examples. So I think it links directly to the fact that when you take full personal responsibility, there's only one outcome, and that is you are going to have to make a decision to act in a direction. And you've described in your Newton's third law very well, Ro, in the fact that you will then be moving forward in a direction. Whatever direction that is going to be, the very fact that you've made a decision means you're moving forward. So I think if I look back at my own life and reflect over the last decade and compare myself to when I was in a victim state, more often than not versus to how I react now, I would say the number one item to take away, which I love the fact that we're talking about at the end of the year in such a wild year, which is which has been the case. Taking this characteristic forward as something to focus on, I think will benefit the listeners greatly. So yeah, thanks for talking about this particular topic in detail today. Some great insight there, Harms. Um, I mean, really just adding to that, I think if you're listening to this, 
know that the minute you do this, there's almost a sense of relief because now you don't have to look, there's always going to be circumstances outside us that we don't have control over. So part of this process is actually looking at the situation and saying, what do I have control over and what don't I have control over? And the very fact that you can accept that there are some things that you don't have control over, that enables you to shed a lot of weight off your shoulders. And then you just simply carry the weight that is necessary for what you have responsibility for. And I don't want to use a negative connotation there because you are going to have to carry that weight because remember with responsibility also comes responsibility so the fact that you're now saying great i've made this decision you're back in control again you're driving the car you're steering it you at least have a chance to move your life in a direction that it wasn't before or break that inertia this is the whole newton's third law force and getting a reaction back so i think that is one of the things i see as the biggest benefit is the very fact that people now feel a sense of calmness. That's not to say life's going to be calmer, but there's a sense of calmness that I can do this. I can control this, that you don't know if it's going to get the reaction you want. You don't know if you're going to get the result you want, but you're back in control. Remember, it doesn't even have to necessarily be the result that you want because you're, you're actually turning a corner. You're, you're creating a wave. We're moving the universe so that the universe can then move in and around us, push in some directions, pull in others, guide us in other directions but we can't do that without this action. So it, it breaks inertia. It creates energetic movement in the body. It engages your um, intuition, it engages your passion, engages your emotional development, engages your spirituality. It means that you reconnect with other human beings. It re means you reconnect with yourself at a core level. And it brings a whole different sense of purpose to the table, which is another conversation for another podcast we've done before. But it gives you a greater sense of purpose. But on a macroscopic level, not necessarily on a big life-changing level, it gives each day, each moment, each decision a sense of purpose. And that then gives you a force to be reckoned with. So I think that's how I want to kind of summarize it from my perspective. Fantastic, Will. So there you have it. The... The concept of everything that's good and bad that's happening to you right now is your fault. Not only that, the way you react to something that's happening to you right now is in total control. You have complete power in order to react in the way that serves you rather than uh, be a disservice to your life. So, Ro, thanks for talking about this exciting, uh, insightful topic, which will lead, like I've mentioned people into 2021, depending on when you're listening to this, with a different perception, I hope, a different awareness and a different level of personal power that they take into the coming year. That's myself and Ro signing out. We shall see you on the next episode.